Welcome to the first episode of The Ribbon. The Ribbon features tech-focused content that you'll love. I'm your host, Kevin, and today we're talking about the future of publishing and technology with Sanjeev Dash, the head of strategy at Ribbonfish. Sanjeev has huge experience in the publishing sector, and he's here today to do a potentially difficult job in helping us predict and foresee the future of publishing and technology, a partnership of terms that has seen rapid growth over the past years as publishers try to move with the times and modernize their operations. Uh, So welcome, Sanjeev. Really good to have you on the podcast with us today. Thank you, Kevin. It's exciting to be here. Oh, I know. And, and I've, you, you've not got a very easy topic to discuss, I don't think. It's a, <laughs> it's a very difficult topic for the first podcast. <laughs> um, yes, forecasting. Yes. Yeah. It's very difficult, isn't it, to try and predict something, you know? I mean, you can you can look at trends, of course. You can, you'll can have an idea of what you think is happening, but actually pinpointing exactly what's going to happen, that's, that's definitely a tricky ask. I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree. Oh, absolutely. I think... Um... I think that's the challenge um, uh, with publishing. A lot of people um, are uh, engaged in in trying to predict what's going to happen in the future of publishing, but um, um, but it's not easy. Sometimes predictions are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think if, if we start, then I mean, I've already said that you're you've been in publishing for many years. Of course, you're a publishing veteran. Let's say at Ribbonfish. Of course, we deal with not just publishers, but publishing to big focus. So you're, you're one of the veterans there. And, and technology has no doubt played a big part in, in, in the time that you've been in publishing. So can you give a bit of maybe background, looking back at what technological changes, revolutions and themes you've seen over, say, the last 10 years? Um, sure. So I think um, really the first thing I would uh, keep in mind is that unlike many other industry verticals like say, for instance, banking or pharma, um, which are often very heavily regulated and and these companies Mm -hmm. overall face very similar challenges. Publishing is a very broad field. Um, So you've got trade publishers who are selling to the general public, uh, but indirectly through distribution partners. Um, You'll have academic publishers who publish specialist journals for a very targeted niche audience. And then um, you'll have newspaper publishers who are uh, you know, almost in a retail-like environment. And then there are other kinds of publishers as well. So the reason I wanted to bring this up is um, within publishing, the challenges can be very different and very specific to each publisher. And that's also the reason why it's so interesting to work in this sector. But broadly, I think the themes, um, there are two themes uh, that cut across almost all uh, publishing companies. Um, I would say one is on the internal technology. Um, so a lot of publishers have legacy business and operations technology stack. Now, while the systems and platforms uh, have moved probably two or three generations ahead, um, you have all the attendant issues with using an older sort of uh, technology stack, which is you've got systems which are not integrated. Um, they frequently fall over, a lot of manual workflows, etc. Publishers just about managed to make it all work because you've got very dedicated pub- uh, people who, who work in publishing. Now, the problem is obviously this is not a very scalable model. And this brings us to the other part of the equation, which is I think what you were talking about, which is uh, you know 
external business pressures and this is primarily driven by technology so a lot of things have changed as you alluded to in your question um you've got a lot of uh, new digital formats you've got different business models trying out all those formats mm-hmm. um and then you've got competition not just between publishers doing all of this but also from other kinds of businesses so again keeping in mind all the different areas of publishing just taking an example for instance trade you'll have books which now have to compete not just with tv and radio but also with streaming services and social media and and they're competing with uh, you know capturing the attention of your potential customer um so i think i would say those those are the two very broad themes that are running through uh, the publishing world Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting, actually, that you've managed to to put them into two separate areas. I think it keeps things really logically organised when you're trying to think about this this very difficult question. One thing, then, so looking first at the first theme, the external tech or the internal tech, and you mentioned there's manual workflows, there's integrations, and of course, people listening from other industries, like banking, for example, or any other industry, will know these issues. It's it's not going to be new to them. They'll they'll have seen them, uh, no doubt, at some point in in their career, and. you said that it's not scalable so for for whatever reason it, it does work and it's not scalable so um, without going into details of, of how they can change or how they can transform what sort of benefits are are publishers looking at if they can get past these manual workflows and these integrations are we looking at huge benefits for example to to what a publisher can can do in terms of selling for instance or or, or what sort of things can 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 you can you see there again i think i think uh both uh, there are two things here one is obviously the operational efficiencies here um mm. publishers obviously like any other organization or or business are constrained by their budgets your what you want to do really is um, increase your demand but not have to increase your operational costs at the same rate and uh i think technology will allow you to do that so with the same people you have or with a slightly uh, sort of minimal up uptake on on resources you are that much more able to increase the output um that is expected in the market that that your consumers want and is there a hunger do you think for companies to do this or do you think it's still a, a matter of uh, it's working let's just let's just carry on let's just uh, let's <laughs> just go with the flow um i think uh, it depends again on which publishing sector we are talking about so for instance in the world of journal publishing you have the introduction of something called open access um and what we expect is going to happen as a result is a huge increase in the number of articles which are submitted um uh, to these journals uh, and and a huge requirement to process these articles uh in order to publish them um now that if we were to continue with uh, you know the existing uh, infrastructure or the existing way of working um that's going to significantly increase the operational costs for these publishers so mm-hmm. so in answer to your question yes there is a, a you know 
desire from publishers to uh, to exploit what technology can offer makes sense and i guess if if there's loads and loads and loads of of open article access uh, open access articles coming in and you've got manual processes or manual workflows then you know your options really are hire more people um, yep. or try and work with the same people that you have but but make that process more efficient and, and better optimized exactly right yeah and the next then so that was the first point the first theme was the internal tech the second theme was looking at the the difference, I guess the the newer sort of ways that the the internet's brought about with, with with how people consume stuff and media. So we've got streaming, for example, we've got social media, which you mentioned. Yeah. Um, would it be true to say that the desires and demands of, of customers are in some way driving changes or potential changes within the industry? At the core of it, yes, absolutely. I think the the customers are very much an important element driving change uh, in in publishing um again if i were to take examples and 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 again the caveat that different publishing sectors have different pressures mm-hmm. um so if you look at newspapers for instance now this is an example which is very obvious where change in customer behavior has had a huge impact with uh, physical subscriptions having dropped significantly and and most of the readership or, or a lot of the readership i should say having moved to digital access um in other areas and we just talked about this open access in journal publishing for instance now um just for uh, background open access is is where your point of access is free to anyone so uh, you don't have to pay to read the article that's been published um now this was a demand uh, it's it, it it's i think it was a long standing demand from customers um but what has happened over the last 4 or 5 years is that it has resulted in legislation to push publishers to a different access model um otherwise there was no no imperative for publishers to move away from subscriptions um so so definitely customers are are um, at the core of the changes driving this industry um and i think the challenge for publishers is that they are very well aware of the overall trends but they're always there, there isn't always a consensus on the right approach or response to these trends and again so that's the second time open access has came up so it seems to be that open access is is clearly going to be something that's talked more about as we go into the future and i wonder could you give our listeners just a brief sort of overview on on the open access model and maybe where you think technology can be utilized to to assist with with getting to grips and and making sure that we can handle the open access model yeah so um so open access um, as i said was essentially a change in how um consumers uh, will will um get access to the content that journals publish so um mm-hmm. we're talking here about articles that are published in journals these are usually very specialist niche um topics uh, the audience is very targeted so um you know particularly the scientific or academic community um and the typical model uh, before has been that um uh, the author would submit an article it was peer reviewed if it was judged to be um uh, you know worthy of publishing by the peers uh, their peers then that would be published in the journal and and in order to access the article uh, you would have to pay and this has been the traditional model of uh, publishing the subscription model of publishing um open access sort of turns it around on its head 
And what we are doing is the point of access is completely free. Um, but in order to publish it, either the author or the institution which is sponsored the author's research or their paper uh, pays the publisher in order for that article to be published. Mm -hmm. Now, um, as I said before, there's a lot of legislation around this. So the challenge for publishers is how to make this a sustainable business model. And with the, uh, with the um, uh, caveat that the number of uh, submissions is expected to increase significantly with open access. So, so that is their problem. And on the one hand, they have to manage the transition away from their subscription, existing subscription-based model, um, and onboard all of these open access articles. Um, and uh, you know, make sure that uh, both of these these business models are catered to at the same time. Yeah, that makes sense. And there's going to be things like, I mean, I've heard with open access, there's things like article processing charges, for instance, APCs that's, that will come in here in, in terms of whenever we're talking about things like funding. Yes. So, uh, so in terms of how technology can help um, with this transition, so a couple of things which are essential for open access. One is obviously, as you mentioned, APCs, being able to process them. Uh, the other is how do we ensure that the volumes of articles being submitted are of, um, you know, are, are the quality is maintained for those articles uh, as they go into, into publishing. Um, and this is where we are talking about, um, you know, platforms that can help um, help with the submission process, uh, be able to uh, match articles with the correct journals where they can be placed, um, and essentially drive down the cost of submissions in order to be more value, uh, to offer more value to the authors. So when you mention the um, the research quality or the quality of the article is quite an interesting topic, actually, because normally you might just think about funding, but forgetting open access for a second in the past, these articles would have gone through a rigorous review process to ensure that quality is 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 good for, for, for where it's being published. So if, of course, the model's changing, like you say, then the research quality, and again, like you've said, it, it could be could be one of those points that, that face maybe a little bit of an issue in terms of there could be a lack of research quality coming. So I wonder, how do you see technology assisting there? Would it be technology, for example, helping publishers put open access articles through a review process or are we are we talking something a little bit more more than that um so with research quality i think it's it's um uh, again the the idea here right now is is to reduce the cost per paper that is is submitted so there's there's a lot of processing that happens when when an article is submitted you you typically what publishers have done is uh, you have a uh, you know offshore team which which kind of goes through every paper and um, kind of uh, combs through, you know, all the issues with that particular article, makes sure it meets certain standards, uh, runs a number of checks, you know, you'll have checks for plagiarism, for instance, etc. Um, all of this uh, is, uh, you know, it takes, takes time and effort to do. Um, and I think uh, you can look at a lot of tools which could potentially help um, publishers automate a lot of these processes, especially around AI and ML. Uh, I think you you can um, look at tools which uh, uh, will be able to do this 
um, in the future and assist uh, any human intervention in order to, uh, again, uh, be more accurate in the way that all of these articles are processed. Yeah, the AI is an interesting point, actually, because maybe you could utilize AI to analyze your content libraries, look for gaps in the market, for example, or maybe look at certain trends in, in, in sales. So do you think, is AI going to be one of those? I mean, everyone says it, don't they, for their, for their industries. They say that's the future. You're, you're seeing a similar trend here within publishing then as well. Um, I think there is a sense that that could be a potential application. I think one of the um, hurdles for that is obviously data um, and being able to, you know, uh, use that data to, to run all these algorithms. Um, I think AI is is quite interesting. I think you you also uh, you know as you rightly said there are applications here at the investment approval stage where a publisher typically takes investment decisions on books to be published for the next year, three year, you know, five year horizon, and and um, these are uh, decisions which are quite um, ahead, you know far ahead in the future, and this can be informed by a number of factors uh, using data sets that are already available to publishers. Uh, that's definitely one of the application. And the other uh, on the journal side, again, is the ability to match articles which may have been rejected from one journal and be able to match it to uh, another journal from, say, the same publisher. And as I said, you've already got a cost associated with processing, so you don't want to uh, you know, lose um, an article uh, where the author then takes that to some other publisher, ideally you would want to, you know, once you've um, ha had the cost of processing it, you would want to publish it um, in, in another one of your uh, journals. Yeah, it makes sense. And uh, I can see where that would be uh, definitely applied. Uh, another thing I, I think that might be worth discussing then is we've discussed, it, of course, offline before, and, and it's, it's very common in, in the news these days, but environmental issues is there anything that the tech can, can do to assist with any transitions that you that you think might be coming in this sort of regard <laughs> um that's an interesting question i think i think publishing probably has a lighter footprint than many other industries already i would think um even the physical product i think is quite eco-friendly um the debate over ebooks versus print is interesting uh, it's it's uh, ebooks are not new now i think they've been around for a long time um and in the first years of ebooks i think there were there was a concern about the viability of print but i think this is broadly now settled into a consensus that there is space for both forms um readers especially want uh, the physical experience of the book sometimes other times, they appreciate the convenience of uh, taking an e-reader, especially when you're traveling. Uh, and it's not just e-books, of course. I mean, you've got audio books, which have seen a big increase in uptake. Um, and like I said, again, I mean, th the example I've just taken is from trade. But of course, um, you know, the particulars of this will change if you're talking about consuming news content or, or the research or academic community. So, um, so I think uh, on, on that front, uh, we're sort of settling into um, you know a, a world where we know the different formats and how they sort of play to different audiences and i think more choice uh, to the consumer there really the, the other question then again i'm thinking about your second theme which is about the streaming and social media that you've mentioned already and another thing i was wondering is do you think there's going to be in the future a different way maybe that people get drawn into content and 
for example, if you look at movies, you know, movies have got movie trailers, for instance, and uh, movies and entertainment industry have crossovers, for example. And, and all of these crossovers and these trailers, of course, get people hyped up and excited about uh, the upcoming movie, for instance. And books, on the other hand, generally, I mean, uh, for example, I've not seen a, a movie trailer for a book. I've seen a movie trailer for a movie that's based on a book. But in, in terms of, for example, how the books would be advertised or, or how people get drawn into, into into content do you see do you see any sort of change there or just... I, I think this is a very very good question um on social media so uh i don't know if i mentioned this earlier but publishers uh, especially uh, don't have usually have a direct line to their consumers the the selling model has typically been through distributors or its institutional sales um so the customers are different to the end consumers um, other than you know examples like book clubs or mailing lists in in which case mm-hmm. the publisher interacts with with their end consumers now social media is probably where um, you know there's 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 a way around that and one of the big uses of social media that's come up is product and content discoverability um, social media influences or in this case even authors actually um, can easily reach thousands if not millions of potential customers directly um through their tweets or or even tiktok videos i think there's been a recent trend called book talk um now the key here is not just to be able to trial such campaigns and run these campaigns with the help of authors but also to be able to monitor and analyze that data using various social media metric tools that are available um and then connect that uh, to all of the boring back end business stuff where you know you're talking about whether there is enough stock available for uh, the book that's you know just gone viral um so i think social media is is something that publishers have sort of taken tentative steps into um but i'm pretty sure there's there's a lot more to be done here and the the benefits there would be i mean would it be can you foresee the same benefits as other industries where you're targeting uh, the consumer and the end result is going to be more sales do you think or do you think there's oh. an issue there with you know where the consumer then subsequently goes to buy the product for example uh i don't think i mean th- this definitely will um uh, these trends have actually resulted in in a uh, you know a sales spike where customers go to buy their books i think publishers are probably less interested in that as long as they're just buying the content that that they have mm-hmm. produced um i think so so i think that is the key concern and so if if that can that sale can be influenced uh, i'm sure that is uh, that will be of tremendous value to publishers true i guess the end result would just be that they've you know they've sold their their book that they published so that's that's all they want i suppose and in, in the in the end exactly right yeah the next one then is looking at um bit of a tricky question possibly but what are your three key predictions for the future of publishing so of course you've mentioned or you've alluded to a lot of different predictions on on this episode so far but in terms of key maybe huge uh, upcoming potential happenings what what sort of predictions do you, do you think definitely going to happen or or can you see happening in the next sort of 10 20 years i'm going to be very conservative on on this question <laughs> kevin <laughs> um i think uh i think um I'm I would say three key things which I think publishers should be doing in order to be able to meet any challenge in the future 
um, is how I would see this. And, and for me, there are three things that they need to look at. One is data. You want to be able to unify your product, your consumer, your sales, your marketing, your competition data. Uh, and then the reason you want to do it is like in every other industry to drive insights and support decisions. And I think this uh, needs a lot of work uh, in, in publishing. I think uh, it, this needs a lot of internal uh, work to, to make this happen. And this will allow publishers to then um, not only test trends, but to anticipate and to respond uh, to those trends. And I think that will keep them in good stead for, for their future. Uh, the second thing I think is already, you know, quite, quite mature actually in publishing, which is to be digital first. The reason I included it is that even today, um, while a lot of publishers feel that they are digital first, especially, uh, in academic, um, and news publishing, um, there is still a, there is still an emphasis on one particular format over others. Um, so, what needs to really happen is is that whatever content is being produced, um, there should always be an option to um, make sure that multiple such formats uh, can be uh, attached to to any any content that is produced. So whether that be podcasts or videos or animation or text or access to the original research data set that allows customers to better understand and engage with the content. Um, and I think the third thing I see for publishing, and this is particular to publishing, I think publishers have tended to rely on the strength of their product. Um, now, even with a great product, I think there is now uh, a pretty big need to be able to market um, uh, their products. And there also is a need to close the feedback loop uh, between the end consumer and um, product development uh, that needs to happen. So I think um, there needs to be a greater emphasis on, on sales and marketing and to be able to capture consumer feedback and to then use that uh, for internal product development um, and also for marketing campaigns. Perfect. Thanks, Sanjeev. That's been a fascinating insight. Uh, and I like the way you twisted the question around there. It's very... Uh, <laughs> I answered actually, the question I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and I like you for doing that. That's the, it's a good way to be. So thank you very much, Sanjeev. It's been uh, great to have you with us. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show in the near future as well. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. Join us next time when we explore the best kind of projects with Vanessa Taylor, one of our project managers at Ribbonfish. Until then, if you wish to hear more about Ribbonfish, Google Ribbonfish and we'll be the top result in your search. And of course, if you like what you hear, subscribe, like, share and review. Thanks again.